Section 45 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Matthew by J. C. Ryle Chapter 15, verses 10 to 20 False Teachers The Heart, the Source of Sin This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 20 And he called the multitude, and said unto them, Hear, and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended, after they heard this saying? But he answered, and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter, and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do ye not yet understand, that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly, and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashen hands defileth not a man. There are two striking sayings of the Lord Jesus in this passage. One respects false doctrine, the other respects the human heart. Both of them deserve the closest attention. Respecting false doctrine, our Lord declares that it is a duty to oppose it, that its final destruction is sure, and that its teachers ought to be forsaken. He says, Every plant that my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. It is clear from examination of the passage that the disciples were surprised at our Lord's strong language about the Pharisees and their traditions. They had probably been accustomed from their youth to regard them as the wisest and best of men. They were startled to hear their master denouncing them as hypocrites, and charging them with transgressing the commandment of God. Knowest thou, they said, that the Pharisees were offended? To this question we are indebted for our Lord's explanatory declaration, a declaration which perhaps has never received the notice it deserves. The plain meaning of our Lord's words is, that false doctrine like that of the Pharisees was a plant to which no mercy should be shown. It was a plant which his heavenly Father had not planted, and a plant which it was a duty to root up, whatever offense it might cause. It was no charity to spare it, because it was injurious to the souls of men. It mattered nothing that those who planted it were high in office, or learned. If it contradicted the word of God, it ought to be opposed refuted and rejected. His disciples must therefore understand that it was right to resist all teaching that was unscriptural, and to let alone and forsake all instructors who persisted in it. Sooner or later they would find that all false doctrine will be completely overthrown, and put to shame, and nothing shall stand but that which is built on the word of God. There are lessons of deep wisdom in this saying of our Lord which serve to throw light on the duty of many a professing Christian. Let us scan them well, and see what they are. It was practical obedience to this saying 
which produced the blessed Protestant Reformation. Its lessons deserve close attention. Do we not see here the duty of boldness in resisting false teaching? Beyond doubt we do. No fear of giving offense, no dread of ecclesiastical censure, should make us hold our peace when God's truth is in peril. If we are true followers of our Lord, we ought to be outspeaking, unflinching witnesses against error. Truth, said Muscullus, must not be suppressed because men are wicked and blind. Do we not see again the duty of forsaking false teachers, if they will not give up their delusions? Beyond doubt we do. No false delicacy, no mock humility, should make us shrink from leaving the ministrations of any minister who contradicts God's word. It is at our peril if we submit to unscriptural teaching. Our blood will be on our own heads. To use the words of Whitby, it can never be right to follow the blind into the ditch. Do we not see, in the last place, the duty of patience when we see false teaching abound? Beyond doubt we do. We may take comfort in the thought that it will not stand long. God himself will defend the cause of his own truth. Sooner or later every heresy shall be rooted up. We are not to fight with carnal weapons, but wait, and preach, and protest, and pray. Sooner or later, as Wycliffe says, the truth shall prevail. Respecting the heart of man, our Lord declares in these verses that it is the true source of all sin and defilement. The Pharisees taught that holiness depended on meats and drinks, on bodily washings and purifications. They held that all who observed their traditions on these matters were pure and clean in God's sight, and that all who neglected them were impure and unclean. Our Lord overthrew this miserable doctrine by showing his disciples that the real fountain of all defilement was not without a man, but within. Out of the heart, he says, proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. He that would serve God aright needs something far more important than bodily washings. He must seek to have a clean heart. What an awful picture we have here of human nature, and drawn too by one who knew what was in man. What a fearful catalogue is this of the contents of our own bosoms. What a melancholy list of seeds of evil our Lord has exposed, lying deep down within every one of us, and ready at any time to start into active life. What can the proud and self-righteous say when they read such a passage as this? This is no sketch of the heart of a robber or murderer. It is the true and faithful account of the hearts of all mankind. May God grant that we may ponder it well and learn wisdom. Let it be a settled resolution with us that in all our religion the state of our heart shall be the main thing. Let it not content us to go to church and observe the forms of religion. Let us look far deeper than this, and desire to have a heart right in the sight of God. Acts chapter 8 verse 21 The right heart is a heart sprinkled with the blood of Christ, and renewed by the Holy Ghost, and purified by faith. Never let it rest till we find within the witness of the Spirit, that God has created in us a clean heart, and made all things new. Psalm 51 verse 10 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17
Finally, let it be a settled resolution with us to keep our hearts with all diligence, all the days of our lives. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Even after renewal they are weak. Even after putting on the new man they are deceitful. Let us never forget that our chief danger is from within. The world and the devil combined cannot do us so much harm as our own hearts will, if we do not watch and pray. Happy is he who remembers daily the words of Solomon, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26 End of section 45